Broadcasting from the UNMC College of Nursing, get ready for RN Huddle, the podcast dedicated to bringing hot topics for and by nurses to the table. Well, hello there and welcome back to RN Huddle. This is your host, Heidi Keeler, coming to you from Omaha, Nebraska. And I just want to let you know that we are practicing our social distancing and our mask wearing here in the College of Nursing when we interview our guests. And many times we're interviewing our guests via distance. So hopefully you all are following suit and doing your part to keep everyone safe. Today we have a very special episode because today marks the first episode of a very special collaboration between RN Huddle and the National Pressure Injury Advisory Panel otherwise known as NPIAP. This partnership focuses on disseminating evidence-based guidelines and practice related to wound prevention and care, something that really affects every single one of us as nurses. We're going to launch our collaboration with the first episode that is going to talk about providers taking responsibility with pressure injuries and making sure that they're administered and cared for properly with other nurses and other colleagues. So again, we know that wound care isn't just a nursing priority, it's a care team priority. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. And you know, the topic is so timely as the prevention and care of wounds is really challenging to begin with, but especially challenging in these times where we have to be extra careful about infection control. So today we're going to talk to a national expert from the NPIAP, uh, and this conversation is going to be led by our very own Renee Pollen, College of Nursing, Continuing Nursing Education staff, and also the lead of the UNMC Wound Treatment Associate Program. Renee is herself a WOCN, and so she's going to facilitate this discussion with our guests, and she's going to go ahead and do the formal introduction as well. So. Let me get right to it and pass it over to Renee. So, Renee, take it away. Hello, everyone. Welcome to RN Huddle. This is Renee Pollen. I am a certified wound ostomy continence nurse, or CWOCN. I am here today with Dr. Lee Ritzy. He is a member of the NPIAP Board of Directors and chair of the NPIAP Education Committee and is the medical director of the Center for Wound Healing and Hyperbaric Medicine at Saratoga Hospital in Saratoga Springs, New York. He was also fellowship program director for the Wound Care Fellowship at Catholic Health Advanced Wound Healing Program in Buffalo, New York. He is here today to discuss the importance of healthcare providers having a more in-depth knowledge surrounding pressure injuries. Welcome, Dr. Ritzy. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So, Many of our listeners are well aware of the challenges involved with pressure injuries, such as patient morbidity, mortality, financial loss, medical legal impact, and the list goes on. As we know, it takes a team to care for our patients, but when it comes to wound care, not everyone has the level of experience or confidence when staging, documenting, or treating pressure injuries. So Dr. Rootsy, you have quite the experience in wound care. What have you been witnessing in your practice or within other settings where you are seeing the need for greater responsibility from physicians and other providers when it comes to pressure injuries? Well, I think, I think there's a couple of reasons why providers need to assume more responsibility. 
I think historically the skin and wounds has been relegated to the nursing and particularly the WOCN staff and providers, and quite appropriately so. They have been the most knowledgeable in that uh, space for quite some time. But what we're seeing now is a, an increasing need for documentation on the part of the providers. So what I experienced was that the providers, especially on the inpatient units, were being expected to document on a disease process or an entity that they weren't adequately prepared to document on. And also that our nursing staff, our skin champions, our WOCNs were going to the hospitalist staff for a second set of eyes and for uh, corroboration of the staging of a pressure injury. And there wasn't the level of knowledge in that provider staff to be able to provide that backup. Very good. And just to be clear, when you speak of providers, are you, you're referring to physicians, MPs, and PAs, correct? Exactly so. Okay. And uh, what have been the challenges or barriers amongst providers to take on more of an involved role with pressure injuries? Well, I, I think the first challenge has simply been in the historical habit that the providers just have assumed that the skin is the business of, of the nurses. I, I think the other challenge is, and we all face this, that we all have a lot to do and maybe too much to do sometimes and not enough time to do it. And when we're on the provider side, we're constantly asked to learn new pathways and protocols and guidelines. And I think when the providers are initially faced with this task of understanding the pressure injury staging system and what that tissue is in the wound bed and how to stage according to what they see in the wound bed, I think that that was just a sort of a, uh, the, the straw that broke the camel's back initially, and, and they were, they've just been reluctant to take on yet one more thing that they have to be experts about. Yeah, definitely. I know everyone's role, you know, in healthcare is just keeps getting built upon and a lot of tasks and responsibilities. So yeah, it can become very overwhelming. So I can understand that. And then, as we all know, CMS's value-based purchasing initiative has really impacted hospital reimbursement for pressure injuries. Many of our listeners know that this can become a major problem if not identified on admission or acquire a pressure injury during their stay, and can even affect star ratings. What are your thoughts on provider involvement with the admission process or when a pressure injury is identified? Well, I think the basic premise here is that in order for a pressure injury to be validated as present on admission, it has to be documented in the medical record by a provider, uh, an MD, a DO, an NP, or a PA. Certainly, the nursing documentation and the initial nursing skin exam can and in many times does provide the foundation for that documentation by the provider, but nonetheless, it's the provider who has to document in the record, we have a stage three pressure injury over the sacrum, 
present on admission. If that doesn't happen, then the hospital will not get reimbursed for that pressure injury. And basically it'll be treated as though it developed, it was a facility acquired pressure injury. Is this as simple as signing off on a note from a wound care nurse or a nurse? Uh, not quite that simple. Like I said, the, the provider can accept the information from the nurse that does the skin exam. The nurse can say, hey doc, there is a sacral stage three, here are the measurements, and it was present on admission. And the, the physician can use that information to do the documentation, but it's not as simple as, as the provider simply signing off on a nurse's note. They actually have to document in the medical record themselves that it's there. They have to actually document themselves present on admission. In, um, in some way, in some way, they need to make a statement in the record that it's there. Okay. Thank you. That's very insightful. And then can you explain the Medicare's MSDRG payment methodology when it comes to documenting stage three and four pressure injuries? Well, I, I'm, I am certainly not a uh, Medicare expert or uh, expert on, on their, uh, uh, their pathways and protocols, but, and I, I hope that I'll answer your question by the following. There is a long list of disease processes and pathologies that are considered major complicating factors for hospital admissions. And stage three and four pressure injuries when identified at the time of admission are part of that list. So if a patient is admitted with uh, pneumonia and a urinary tract infection and you know a couple of other diagnoses, if you also diagnose a stage three or four pressure injury that's present on that admission, there will be an increase or an uptick in the reimbursement for that hospital admission simply based on the fact that that stage three or four is present on admission. Does the provider need to be physically in the room assessing the stage three and four pressure injuries? No, again, the, the provider doesn't necessarily have to go in the room and roll the patient over and see it and identify it and stage it and document it. The provider is able to take that information from someone, from a nursing staff member or a WOCN that they trust, hopefully, and can document based on that. Okay, great. What level of involvement do providers need in documentation of pressure injuries, especially for those pressure injuries that may be considered unavoidable or even skin failure? Well, uh, so <laughs> that uh, uh, is a little bit of, of, a, of a can of worms, but uh, mm -hmm. let, me, let me separate it a little bit. First of all, I'm glad you brought up the unavoidability issue because what I've experienced on a number of occasions is I, I will see a provider document sort of retrospectively saying, well, th this patient has a stage four and it was unavoidable because of the patient's multiple comorbidities. And you know, that, that's only part of the puzzle because as we all know, there is a, there is a well-validated and accepted 
avoidability, unavoidability consensus document. You all are aware, I think it was initially published in 2011, and then it was looked at again and republished in 2014 by some of the folks in the National Pressure Ulcer Advisory Panel. And we know that there are criteria that have to be met and documented in order for us to say that a pressure injury is unavoidable. And then is that the same documentation is needed for when a document skin failure? And I know, like you said, you're opening up a can of worms with that in that regard, because I know that can be difficult to justify. Well, first of all, skin failure, you know, it's, it's problematic because we, we all know that there, there is such a thing as skin failure. Skin is the largest organ we have, and like other organs, it can fail. But we don't yet have a concise definition for skin failure. In other words, when does it happen? What does it look like? And you know, what are the characteristics? We have lots of ideas, and in fact, the, you know, we... We took a look at this with a really distinguished expert panel at the uh, 2020 NPIAP meeting in Houston, and we plan to take another look at it at this year's upcoming virtual meeting, but it isn't a diagnosis yet that we can use universally because we just don't have a definition. That makes sense. And this kind of leads us into I wanted to ask about legalities uh, surrounding pressure injuries. As this has been very common in healthcare, uh, I believe it's still number two for malpractice, pressure injuries. What is your advice for our listeners and providers in this aspect to legalities? <laughs> uh, um, well, first of all, I, I, I agree with your statement that it is a really prevalent source of legal action both in the hospital setting and the long-term care setting. And I, I think if I were able to give one piece of advice regarding legal action in pressure injury is, you know, do, do what you need to do, everything that you need to do and document what you do. So, Another way to look at this, I, I think that the unavoidability avoidability consensus document is a, uh, an incredibly valuable document because it really spells out what we need to do to take the best care of patients in terms of prevention and treatment of pressure injury. So I, I don't have the document in front of me, so I'm, I'm not gonna have it exact, but I'm gonna paraphrase it when, when I say that you need to develop an individualized plan of care for each patient based on their comorbidities and presenting diagnoses. You need to implement that plan of care. You need to monitor the care and make sure that what you're doing is effective in terms of prevention or helping to resolve the pressure injury. And you need to change your interventions based on 
the progress that the patient is making or is failing to make. In other words, you have to be aware of your, your wound care, you have to be aware of your pressure redistribution surface, and you have to change, the, you have to be you know, nimble enough to change those things as you go along. And then you need to document all that good care that you've done. And of course, obviously to include turning and repositioning. But you know, that's all in that unavoidability document. And really the unavoidability document tells us how to take the best care of pressure injury. Is the unavoidable consensus document on the NPIAP site? It sure is, yes. Easily. And so it's on the NPIAP website. And I believe that I believe that the lead authors for the 2014, the most recent document, I believe they were Joyce Black, Laura Edsberg, and uh, Janet Cudigan from right there with you uh, at the University of Nebraska. Thanks. I think that's really good advice. I always, um, when I'm teaching others, I always say, you know, when you're intervening or when you're reassessing and if something changes with the wound, what are you going to do about it? Make sure there's some type of story in the chart. So exactly. um, especially exactly. if you get pulled into to do a depot, you need to be able to look back, you know, a few years later and understand what your notes are saying. So, and I, and I think the other thing that's incredibly important is for providers and nurses to provide ongoing, you know, sort of play-by-play -play education for the patient and family members because, you know, nobody wants that surprise that, you know, they didn't have any idea that there was any problem with their mom's skin. And all of a sudden, there's a hole back there big enough to put your fist in and nobody told you about it. Absolutely. Keep them involved so that they understand what's right. going on with that patient and what those risk factors are. Right. I totally agree. And you can talk about those risk factors early on and you can say, you know, we're going to do everything we can do to prevent a pressure injury. In this case, we're going to, you know, we're going to turn her or him, uh, you know, every two or three or four hours, whatever is decided is the optimal time interval. We're going to have them on such and such a pressure redistribution surface. We're going to make sure the heels are off the bed. We're going to do everything that we can do, but we want you to understand that this is a very high risk situation for skin injury. Exactly. I agree. Keep the family involved. What would you recommend for the providers out there and other healthcare professionals who are looking for more education surrounding pressure injuries? Well, I, I, I'm biased, of course, uh, mm -hmm. in, in because of my involvement with the National Pressure Injury Advisory Panel. But nonetheless, I think that objectively, I think this is the NPIAP is the right answer anyway. We have uh, recently published the 2019, well, I guess not recently anymore, they came out in last November, the 2019 pressure injury guidelines. And those were published in conjunction with the European Pressure Ulcer Advisory Panel, as well as the Pan-Pacific Pressure Injury Alliance. It, it is the most concise complete and well-accepted resource for the prevention, treatment, and staging of pressure injury. So the NPIAP guidelines are available at uh, npiap.org, and I would, I would encourage everybody to have, have a look at those. And also, 
I would throw a little shout out for uh, Dr. Janet Cudigan, again from your institution, the University of Nebraska, who had such a pivotal role in the uh, development of those 2019 guidelines. Yes, it's very important for various settings to have their hands on those guidelines. It can help policies or just staying up to date on evidence-based practice. Right. Anything else that you would like to share with our listeners today? Uh, you know, I again, just going back real quickly to this, uh, the provider education thing. So the, the, the way that I, I sort of got interested in this and then got hooked on it was our, our chief medical officer back in Buffalo called me one day and uh, he said, we've, we've got to get these providers on board with pressure injury education because I had told him the story that the WOC nurses and the skin champions on the floor were looking for backup from a provider base that didn't have adequate knowledge. So he said, well, he laughed. He said, you just got yourself a job. So that's what prompted me to put this presentation together. But I found that in 30 minutes, we were able to get this message across about prevention, treatment, and staging of pressure injury. And this was driven from the top down. And I think that's the way it has to be administratively. It needs to come from the chief medical officer level that the various groups of physicians and providers within the organization have to be willing to sit through this education. But you can, I guess my message is you can make a big difference in 30 minutes. Very much so. Well, thank you, Dr. Lee Ritzy, for your time today. This has been very informative with an emphasis that well-informed documentation is essential when managing pressure injuries and to also acknowledge risk factors while providing consistent quality care to our patients. Listeners, do stay acquainted with the MPIAP site and ensure you are well-versed with the definitions of each stage of pressure injuries. Stay informed and keep in touch with future podcasts. Thank you. And thanks, for Renee, for having me. No problem. Thank you. Wow, such amazing information. Thank you so much to our guests. Thank you so much for sharing your expertise today and, and collaborating with RN Huddle. Really appreciate the work that you do and the work that the NPIAP does in helping us to do a better job with our, our clients in preventing and managing wounds. Appreciate this so much. And Renee, thank you so much for facilitating the discussion today and sharing your expertise. We so appreciate our new collaboration. We love the NPIAP. We have our own faculty member, Dr. Janet Cudigan, here at the UNMC College of Nursing, who is leadership. We also have Dr. Joyce Black, who is a, another influential leader in this organization. So we are just thrilled to be able to bring this collaboration to you to launch it with this episode today. I hope you enjoyed it, and I hope that you tune in for more episodes of RN Huddle. Thank you so much for listening. Take care. Thank you for listening to RN Huddle. To stay connected, follow us on Twitter and Facebook at UNMC CNE or check out unmc.edu slash CNE for more program information.